Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. Jay Jones, and I'm here for Free For All Friday with George Mays. Here we are. George, it snowed yesterday. It did. How much snow did you get? A lot. Like, way more than is typical. Right. And it was very rare, because usually when it snows in southwest Oklahoma, if it snows, mm-hmm. it's like tiny little bitty snowflakes. Mm-hmm. And the wind blowing forty five miles an hour, and the snows going sideways. Right. But yesterday they yeah, were big. It was, it was like, yeah, it was like it was an actual snow. Yeah, it, uh, big snowflakes, mm-hmm. like at least the size. I don't know what, what's bigger than a quarter. I don't know, half dollar. Okay, and <laughs> they were just falling straight down, and just like they were just like, uh, yeah, floating down. And I was like, is this is this what snow is? <laughs> Is this what it's like to be somewhere where it's yeah, it wasn't it wasn't windy. Yeah, it was crazy. Mm. I was like, I'm just gonna go outside and stand and watch it. Did you go play in it? No, we didn't go play in it. Uh, I did watch it for a little bit. It was amazing. It's a super rare thing. It like, is. Don't, yeah, it if is. you're not from Oklahoma, like we say, the wind, you know, whatever. If it snows and, and you get out of the way, because it's it's like nasty snow. Most of the time, we get ice. Yeah, that's. That's usually what we get. It's that snow that hurts when it hits you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yesterday it was that soft, uh, gentle, fluffy snow. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Super rare. It'll so, be gone. It'll school, be gone today, though. School got canceled and all that stuff. Did your school get canceled? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, they did. They I'm canceled pretty it. sure Lawton was still They still, still went? Mm-hmm, I bet there were sure. so many crashes in Lawton. Larry, sure. what, what do you think? You didn't I, see any? I don't know. The, I mean, the streets looked like they were okay. Yeah. Free snow day, what a special time! I mean, when it kid. was when it was snowing at the house, it um, it was hitting the it hitting the grass, but the uh, the concrete it wasn't it wasn't sticking to the concrete. So, before I started recording, I sent a message to my kids. They're out of school, recording a podcast for at least the next hour. Please don't call or text me. Uh-huh. What do you think one of them did? <laughs> <laughs> Texted back, okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Just now received. Uh-huh. All right, so Free For All Friday, let's jump in. We got kind of, I think, the um, maybe like two or three that are going to make a theme here in a second, but let's start off with Barry Bonds. Uh, this is going to come up continually, I think. Barry Bonds did not make it into the Hall of Fame again. Right. Greatest, I think, probably the greatest baseball player all around even, most okay. home runs. I mean, we could list all the stats, and it's not even close best baseball player ever to play the game. But he he is continually not um, selected for the Hall of Fame, and people lose their minds every year over it. Um, And the controversy, George, is that he took performance-enhancing drugs. Okay. Not only that, I believe he perjured himself. I'd have to look this up. Did you were able to find anything on that when I told you about it? I, I didn't. Barry Bonds. Who who was who was inducted this time? I know I know David Ortiz, right? Yeah, that's was the, there was there anyone else that was inducted? I mean, I, I don't know. He was. A, I think Ortiz was the first time up on the ballot, and he got in. Okay. That's why I heard about that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but people he, were, he's the only one that I heard of. So I, I don't know if there was anyone else that okay. I would even know. So Barry Bonds was charged with five counts of perjury and obstruction of justice. Okay. Stemming from his 2003 testimony before a federal grand jury in the investigation of Balco for supplying steroids to various top athletes in the San Francisco area. 
Um, there's actually a podcast called American Scandal, which dealt with Bal- the whole Balco thing. So it's like this, it's a real thing that happened, you know. So apparently he lied. So this okay. this gets into why is he not in? All right, it, people make this more complicated than it is. Um, I think so. Oh, did I just lose my thing? I just I did. I just deleted it. Okay. So there is a character clause in the Baseball Hall of Fame that. Uh, so I'm going to pull it up. The character clause, Baseball Hall of Fame. So people aren't just selected based off of their skill. Uh, there's supposed to be um, what's taken to, into account is the player's record, their ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and team contribution. Okay, okay there's the clause. Okay. And so the pe- people aren't selecting him, so they're saying, look, he cheated, and he has character problems. Obviously, if you've been convicted of or charged with lying – you know, you perjured yourself five right. counts. So there's a, some character issues. So he's not getting in. People lose their minds. But why do people? Why are people so mad about it? People didn't used to be so mad about it. Like right after he retired, it was kind of like taken as like everybody knew it was just he wasn't getting in. Um, Roger Clemens also was not getting in. Uh-huh. He also took steroids. Right. Um, McGuire probably never get in. Right. But people now are just like, let them all in. So I was having this conversation with Drake, and I showed him this clause. I said, look, people forget, or maybe they know there's this clause. That probably, probably it's true as the latter. They know there's the clause, the character clause. The problem is society has progressed so much over the past 20 years, nobody cares. Right. So they don't care if a player had integrity or character mm-hmm. or if they cheated or anything, right? And it's no question Barry Bonds cheated. I mean, yeah. this dude in the last you know, six years of his career put on like 40 pounds oh, of man. muscle. The guy was huge. It wasn't even a little muscle. It was like yeah. 40 pounds of pure muscle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but still, that's not going to hit the ball for you. So here's kind of my solution because the way the culture is, remo- you need to remove the clause and you need to make sure that everyone knows the people that get into the Hall of Fame are only there based off of their skill. Right. Because Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens had the numbers to be first, first-time ballot picks for the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame before anyone ever started using steroids. Okay, they had all the numbers. They were Hall of Famers. Now the question is, like, I guess they're being kept kept out because this character clause. So, mm-hmm. if people want them in, let just do the honest thing and say we well, don't care about character anymore. Right. So we're removing the clause. Cooperstown is only for people of skill. And then, then they'd have to let Pete Rose in too, right? Because he was super shady. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, do you know if there are character clauses for NBA and I don't know NFL? Uh, uh, I, mm, I don't know. Mm. I mean, that used to be a big, a big part of being an athlete, right? Well, it used to be a big like part of everything. You were spo- <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it's just kind of what true. we expected. I'm, yeah, it was what was expected of just like of. Right. Of, of men, mm-hmm. you're uh, competing. Like there's some type of nobility to competing mm-hmm. on an athletic field against right. other people. C- compete according to the rules. I mean, even Paul references that back yeah. in the day. The 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 insane Roman Empire. They still had rules in their competitions. Mm-hmm. You don't compete. You're disqualified. You don't compete according to them. You're disqualified. Yeah. 
character used to matter in America in a lot of ways. And right. It used to matter so that your leaders yeah. had character. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a reason that uh, Biden was never going to be up for president for a long time. It's because he was a known liar. Right. I mean, th- there's receipts on it. Oh, there's video. so oh, many receipts. Yeah, there's... Going back, <laughs> yeah, going back to where he's a young man yeah. of his numerous lies. Uh-huh. And he even had to step down from, a, was it a presidential race he was in? I think so. When a he long was a, time ago. Yeah, when he was a, a young man. A long time ago. Because of his... Uh, it was Yeah, there's like a Dan Rathers video where he exposes him. Yeah. For his lies. Yeah. Trump would have never been the nominee of the Republican Party. Right. Not in a million years. <laughs> right. Had, uh, but see that we've progressed so much, character doesn't matter. Right. On e- uh, It doesn't matter on either side, honestly. No, no they make excuses. Yeah. I'm sure you saw the the clip of, of Biden calling the, the Fox reporter an SOB. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just surprised. Did you see, did you see the CNN spin article? I didn't see it. Because if, if Trump had, you know, Trump was always going after the media. Yeah. And they were always, always bashing him. Uh-huh. But here, here's Biden doing the same thing. And CNN puts out this spin article. Why what Biden said is not as bad as anything that, that Trump did. Well, here, here's. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was exactly what you would expect from CNN. <laughs> Here's here's the deal with like with uh, with the Trump the way he would like lash out at people and the stuff he would say. For me, I almost feel like with Trump, it's never personal. <clears throat> That's just who he is. Right. He's just a coarse man. Right. Like, and not saying he's right. Like, I would never encourage a leader to be that way. But that's who he is. I don't think he doesn't mean anything personal by it ever. Like he, but if you're kind of attacking him and he perceives that he's coming back at you and yeah. he's going to one up you and he's going to say mean things. <laughs> All right. Um, but with the, if you watch that Biden clip, that was personal. Well, man. I think that's that who, was personal. I think that's who Biden is too. I, I yeah. think that you. I think because he he thought his mic was off. Yeah, it was. Per- he got, no, it was personal. Caught, yeah, I guess he got caught on a hot mic. Yeah, but um, he meant. It, I think though. that. Yeah, I think that's who he is. Yeah. I think that's who he is. I mean, yeah. people like to like to talk about Biden like he's, you know, this respectable gentleman. He's never been that. Yeah. <laughs> he's never been that way. Remember he told you that. Wa- you watch his campaigning and the yeah. way that he would talk to people. Um, you see how he, he lashes out. He does. He lashes out. Like, I don't think Trump is lashing out in anger, but I think if you watch Biden, you'll see that, that he lashes, he, out, he lashes in out in anger. Yeah. He told the guy he doesn't work for him. Remember that? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He's, and then he tells somebody he would, let's go outside and find out. Or whatever. Do you Something, remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wish he would have. Like, like, dude, you, he walks like. Well, he, he probably would have had that chain that he had with Corn Pop. It, it, he walks like he's walking on ice. Have you watched that? Like, the ground's made of ice, except for it's grass. Yeah. Like, you're not going out with anybody. <laughs> the day, the, the, the ship has sailed on that. Well, he'd have that chain. With Corn Pop? Remember the chain that he yeah. had with Corn Pop? That's right. It's like, uh,. <laughs> <laughs> the way he tells that corn pop story, it reminds me of uh, what's that? What's that old? Uh, what's that like musical where uh, they're in New York City, you know, and they got oh, the yeah, chains? West, and, West, and, yeah, West, West Side, Side story. story. That's yeah. what I think of when I hear the corn pop story. There was corn pop with a rusty knife, uh, and Joe Biden broke out his chain. Yeah, Biden with a with a uh, you know his uh, his comb, he's <laughs> slicking his hair, slicking back. his hair back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too oh, much goodness. fun. 
Well, too much fun. Character. Biden, Integrity. Biden should have just pulled a Thabiti for the uh, for that reporter and said, "You know what? Keep your name out of my or keep my name out of your mouth." Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we segue into this. Hey, uh, Tabidi, might as well. Tabidi Owen Strand debacle. You know, it, character. <laughs> character matters. Mm. <laughs> it matters whether you're an athlete, an athlete, or a politician, and especially as a pastor. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't, you don't turn that off just because you're on social media. Yeah. Right. Keep your name out of my mouth, clowns. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much what he said, right? That's exactly what he said. Um, I've got, I've got these tweets. You can pull them up on the, on the screen. Um, Owen Strayan, he, okay. So going back, Thabiti is, um, he is on a panel and I I was watching clips from this panel and it's it's real bad. <laughs> but there's an offhand remark that Thibidi makes about if if your pastor is either explicitly or um, uh, even implicitly white supremacist, whatever that means. Mm. Like there's no like there's no definition of of what that is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's okay to leave your church. I would say yeah. If your pastor is a racist. <laughs> It's, for sure. It's good for you to leave your church. But then he encourages people. Maybe you have a pastor who you don't agree with 100%, but they're a good pastor. You probably should stay in that church and support, um, I think he says, him or her. He did. So he, he he makes kind of this offhand remark that you should stay and support your pastor, if, and it could be a man or a woman. Right. Owen Strand, he uh, he picks up on this and he tweets, so sad to see this. The BD has affirmed all sorts of woke ideology and now affirms women pastors. Please, God, bring this man to repentance, how we all need the Lord. Mm-hmm. To which <laughs> the BD replies, hey, at Owen Strand, first, keep my mouth up. Uh, keep my name out of your mouth. <laughs> That's the kind of re- response that you would expect mm-hmm. from a. Right. From a respected pastor, right? Right. <laughs> he goes on in a second tweet. He says, this goes for you too at Tom Buck. Tom Buck is a pastor down in Texas. He's part of the conservative Baptist network. Mm. He says, you clowns out here ravaging the Lord's church with made up controversies and the slander of faithful Christians. You need to take a moment to attend your own souls for Titus 3, 10 and 11 describes your warped self-condemned ways well. Well, all right. <laughs> oh, okay, then. You know, I, going back and um, he, he, I mean, he, he goes back and affirms that he is not an egalitarian. I think that they, they jumped on this too fast. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I think Owen, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Owen can, yeah. can jump on it too fast um, without, listening to the whole the whole clip and really you know i think i mean he says you know second at least learn to ask a question before you take an impromptu pronoun and wrongly ascribe an entire theological position to someone um i think that's right um i I think they jumped on it too fast well can can i read what tabidi was accusing them of yeah yeah. he's accusing them of, of violating titus three beginning in verse nine avoid foolish controversies genealogies dissensions and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless 
as far as for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. So to Tabidi, I guess, the issue of women pastors is falls in this category of things that aren't worth arguing about. Yeah. That's the way I take his supposed like correction of right of these guys. Yeah. Um which in a way is I mean he's but it's what he's saying is is he saying look this is not a big deal. Right. Um even though he would say he doesn't hold to it personally, <laughs> it's not that big a deal for others to. Right. Um and that was kind of his his um response on his Twitter thread is that I'm still a complementarian, I, I don't think. And someone went and looked at his church's website and they still affirm that only men should be elders. Right. Um, the problem, the problem was saying this is not a big deal. And he said, you know, you have to be um, conscious that there are egalitarians in the audience. The problem, I think if you go to, you know, first Timothy chapter two, where Paul says, I don't permit a woman to teach or hold authority over a man. If you can make that say anything other than I don't permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, then what, what else can you twist the scriptures to say? A lot of things. Historically, historically a lot of things happens. That's the first step. And when you start, when you start seeing um, a lot of these women who are preaching to men, Beth Moore (laughs) being a, you know, kind of a prime example. They start to fudge on some other things. Mm-hmm. Like they, it's it's kind of a downward slide because now you can start kind of messing with other passages. Mm. Um, so I I would say that um, I guess interpreting this in a different way and and saying that this is not a big deal. Um, I, I don't think that women pastors is a salvific issue, but I do think that the hermeneutic behind um, getting around what Paul says can turn into a salvific issue. Yeah, I should have saved this. I saw someone, he made like a pretty long thread about this because he said, uh, look, here's the way kind of the argument goes is they'll say, look, you reformed folks who are confessional, you don't argue about baptism. You don't throw each other under the bus like this. So he's saying baptism is a second tier issue, which, yeah. like where you where we would put that you know, historically and, and we would say, yeah, we agree with that. Baptism is a second tier issue. Um and we have different churches, you know, there's Baptists, there's Presbyterians, mm-hmm. but we support each other, we cooperate with each other even in missions and and other things. But um now he's what they've done is they're trying to make women pastors, like kind right. of the equivalent, uh-huh. say, look, you, you don't div- divide on baptism. Right. You shouldn't be doing that either when it comes to women pastors. And I can't remember who it was. It, it was brilliant. But the little thread was, look, um, we've had creeds you know, and confessions going back like 500 years over this stuff. Um, and guess what? There's never been ever one that affirmed women pastors. Right. Egalitarianism does not have a creed or confession. It's never been considered a second tier in the way people are trying to make it second tier. Mm. Makes makes total sense, right? Yeah. 
It never has. It's only a modern invention that has come about because of the feminist movement. Right. That's it. So it's you can't equate it to the same thing. Yeah. Uh, because really, it's just blatant rebellion. Yeah. Never would have been possible had the culture not turned the way that it turned. I was listening to uh, John Harris, um, his uh, podcast, Conversations That Matter, and he was um, looking at this panel that Thabiti was a part of. It's part of uh, the Jude 3 Project, which is supposed to be an apologetic ministry, and it has an orthodox um, theological statement. It's it's kind of a modified Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. But um, he said that people are jumping on the wrong thing. They're they're jumping on this this little phrase, and they're not looking at the whole panel discussion. And so he was looking at bigger clips of the panel, and there are people. This is supposed to be an evangelical conservative organization that's orthodox, and they had people that were promoting abortion and transgender and yeah. LGBTQ and Thabiti's there in the middle of it. And he's not, he's not like affirming this stuff, but he is um, kind of staying quiet on it. He's, right. he's kind of going along with, um, this is just kind of a, a spectrum and we can disagree on these things. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's bigger problems than just this little phrase that he, you know, this little pronoun that he uses mm-hmm. there. There's more. And so when he's saying, you clowns out here ravaging the Lord's church with made-up controversies and slander of faithful Christians. um, While he sits on a panel with people that are LGBTQ affirming. Yeah. That's as if that's not ravaging the church a a million fold. And some of these are trying to say, you know, the Bible's quiet on some of these things, and it's not clear on some of these things, and there's there's multiple interpretations for these passages, and they're acting like... um, uh, the passages on homosexuality are open for interpretation. And Thabiti, he's, he's, he's kind of going along with it. He's kind of going along with, with what uh, mm-hmm. they're saying. He's, he's, kinda, he's trying to ride the fence is what it sounds like from the, the clips that I was, I was watching. He's, he's trying to still, I'm still orthodox here, you know, and he's saying a lot of good things about how you interpret the Bible and, and things like that. But he's also not trying to push back against these right. people. And this is supposed to be an evangelical, right. like orthodox um, organization. He should be able to just say, look, what you're saying is wrong. Here's why. Um, he should have the freedom to do that. But instead, he's just kind of going along. And it's it's more than there, – there's more going on here with the BD than just – him saying, <clears throat> "Yeah, this is a big problem." She yeah, or her, yeah, yeah. you know, so, when it comes to pastors. And then, but that irony of this whole thing is that he would throw that bomb out there at, at uh, Strand and uh, is it Joe Buck? Tom Buck. Tom Buck. Did you just say Joe Buck? I don't know who Joe Buck is. That's the, oh, ba- the that's the ba- that's, that's the baseball the, announcer oh, yeah, that everyone that's hates. The, that's <laughs> the guy everyone hates to do the World Series. Find somebody else, please. <laughs> and. Uh, so he he goes he goes at him right with uh, Titus three, mm. and saying that they're 
they're quarrelsome, whatever, whatever. It's full, like, you know, these, these foolish, these foolish controversies, like, and that are. Ra- but then the key word that are ravaging the Lord's church, right. as if sexual morality is not ravaging the Lord's right. church, LGBTQ is not ravaging the Lord's church, uh, abortion, having your church filled with murderers and pastors that affirm, affirm murder is not ravaging the Lord's church. Yeah. Listen to this. I'm just going to read from Ephesians five, beginning beginning in verse three. Okay. I think the, it's time to take the gloves off with Tapiti. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know where his friends are, like Mark Dever. Like, where are you at, dude? Like, it, was he yeah, ever we were ta- your, where, is, was he ever your friend? Was Tabidi ever your friend? You're just going to let him go this way? <laughs> we were we were talking a couple of days ago about if Tabidi had ever been at the Shepherds Conference, and you said no. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he preached at a master's college chapel service. Really? So I think he has been out there, and I, I think that he has preached. Wow, maybe not. Yeah. At the, not at the shepherd's he could conference. Have, I could have. I don't. I can't recall him. Yeah, doing, maybe doing maybe not at the shepherd's conference, but um, he he preached yeah. a chapel service apparently. Yeah. So listen to this. But sexual immorality and impurity or covetous must not be named among you, as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this: that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, idolater, has no inheritance in the, in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light." For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So just ask yourself a question. Here's Tabidi legitimizing. When you sit on a panel, you legitimize the other people on the panel. Right, so you're there. You're not confronting them in their darkness. You're he may not be actually well, it, physically taking part in. Well, it throw it throws shade on this entire Jude three project right. that they they present themselves. I went to the website and go to the Jude three project. Um, I think it's Jude three project org maybe, um, and they present themselves as an orthodox conservative movement. Right. An apologetics organization, so it, it throws it casts it casts some doubt on yeah, yeah. exactly what's going on here when they have the people that they have on this panel. Sure, and and so we'll maybe use this to segue the Bible. We we'll use the Bible as a segue into the JD Greer thing. Why isn't Tabidi like? Why is he legitimizing people that are open, like openly supportive of LGBTQ movement? Yeah. The Bible says it's shameful. Mm-hmm. It's shameful to even talk about what they do in secret. The Bible calls it darkness, but you want to you want to come at Strand as as somebody who is ravaging the Lord's church. You're sitting next to people who are doing a hundred million fold more damage, <laughs> right? Right. Now I do think that that Owen jumped on it maybe a little too fast. Sure. For the wrong reason. Uh huh. I mean, he should have listened to the whole panel because there's one person on there that, that she was like, uh, you know, I'm I'm pro-choice, LGBTQ. I'm I'm probably as far left, you know, on all these issues. And what what we need to see is that there's room for there's yeah. room for all of us. And the beating needed to say, no, there's not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was weird. I, I did find this other tweet that I thought was funny. <laughs> from him. I wasn't even looking for this. I was just looking through his, his Twitter, his Twitter threads. And, uh, he has this, um, he has this picture. I don't know if you can pull it up or not. There, there it is. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. All right. You got to describe, describe it. For okay. The, so for there's the listener. a, so there's a picture of, of two native Americans. Um, it's a black and white picture. Is he getting something out very, of a stream? Very, yeah, he's, he's, he's getting something out of a stream and there's a woman standing behind him. It's very peaceful. And the, uh, <laughs> it says, this is, I don't even know why he would come across this, <laughs> this Twitter native red cloud. I, I don't know. It says we were not poor people. We were happy with what we had and content to only take what we needed and it's attributed to Native American. Mm-hmm. And the BD writes, love this. I don't know what all is going on here, but he's acting like Native Americans were all just this peaceful, loving like hippies, basically. Right. Like nature loving. And they, you know, they were at they were at peace and they had all they you know, they only took what they needed. They lived in perfect harmony with and the then, environment. And, you know, and then the white man came and and just ravaged them. Right. Right. They were living in perfect harmony with each other and with the environment. Uh huh. Yeah. Only taking what they needed, which he forgets. I, which I think just... he, I think he forgets <laughs> that uh, the Native Americans had uh, black slaves. There's a little inconvenient truth for Tabidi. Right. Yeah. Um, and you guys are free to look that up. It's not like like one tribe. It's like a bunch of tribes. Um, and then there's even this strange. There thing. were some peaceful ones, and they were the ones that were being enslaved. Well, yeah, I mean, so so the native the history of the Native Americans. If you don't, if you're not going to, uh, well, I can't use the term whitewash because that's racist, right? Uh, if you're not going to whitewash history, let's come up with a new term. If you're not going to woke wash history, there we go. Okay. Well, if you don't woke wash history, what you understand is that uh, Native Americans were just like humans all across the rest of the planet. Right. Um, they were at war with each other pretty much nonstop. They would raid each other. The strong would oppress the weak. Um, for instance, the Comanche Nation, which is where we live. I mean, there's a book called Empire of the Rising Sun. I, th- I believe that's the name of it. And it, he'll outline in there what they were like. So they were pretty much like um, Great Plains Vikings. They, <laughs> they would yeah. raid you. Okay. Um, anyone, I think, under the age of five would be killed. <laughs> so they'd kill babies and anyone under the age of five because they're youthless. They're just baggage. They don't want to carry you around. Yeah. But everyone over, under the age of five would become a slave up to like 13, I think, 13, and then they'd kill everyone. So if you if you lived through the raid, they'd kill you. If you're over 13, under five, they'd kill you too. And then they'd take you as a slave. Seems pretty harmonious mm-hmm. and peace-loving. Right. They uh, they were known. I've said this before. Uh, you know, they were known for executing people in like incredibly cruel ways. Right. So one way around here, we got fire ants. Uh-huh. They would, you know, maybe they raided you, George. They saw you traversing the the uh, with your other Native American peace loving people, and they said, "Oh, there's there's another peace loving man. Let's go uh, borrow some goods from him." <laughs> and they go over there and they kill your family and they tie you up to a pole. Uh. Uh, stick you in the ground on a fire ant mound and cut your eyelids off. Let the fire ants kill you. S- someone sent to Beatty some real history. Right. Right? And and the most important thing, which was brought up, is had, if you actually believe the gospel, right, 
they were all perishing and dying in their sin. Right. Yeah. This idea that they were they were peace loving and everything was okay. Let's let's just assume that that's true. Let's mm-hmm. just assume that um, peace peaceful um, peace at peace with the environment and with other tribes that they only took what they needed. Let's let's just assume all that's true. They still were pagans. Mm-hmm. They still were pagans. Yeah. And again, I, I don't want to read too much into this tweet. I have no idea why he's retweeting this, and I, I don't know. But to to act like leaving them alone for them to perish um, in their sin is is better than um, what happened. Mm-hmm. And there's there's sin on the on the side of the Europeans also. Mm-hmm. And the Europeans came, and they they were not peace loving either, right? Um, but God brings good out of evil, and the gospel has gone to Native Americans, and so there are Native Americans that will be in the kingdom mm-hmm. um, rather than in hell, right? Because Christianity came across the Atlantic and and came to North America. Mm-hmm. We don't have to woke wash. Yeah, don't woke wash. <laughs> we don't wash. have to woke wash history. We don't have to. We don't have to ignore. We don't have to ignore um, the evils on either side um, in order for us to say. But it is good that the gospel came. Yeah, yeah. And God does bring good out of out of human sinfulness. It's such a strange thing to do, though. I mean, try to like. And it's because he's been so influenced by wokeness. He really has. He, you know, it's it's really kind of sad to see it. Yeah. Um, but people don't do this with other parts of history, right? Like I told you, like I use the 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 illustration that they're like land Vikings. Yeah. So it'd be like you know we got Viking Viking blood. Like I tell my children, you know what? They're just misunderstood. They actually lived in harmony. And they only they only did what they did in raiding England and Northern Europe because they were being threatened by the rise of power. And, you know, they definitely did not rape everyone that they encountered. They didn't do that. That's a that's something made up. That's something made up by Europeans to taint what people believe about Vikings, which is totally untrue. These dudes were absolute savages. And Thank goodness the gospel conquered them. Right. The Viking gods fell. Christ conquered them. Yep. The Native American gods have fallen. Christ conquered them. And, you know, and if you look historically, even in the Bible, God will raise up an evil nation. So if you want to say the colonizing was evil and all of that, I'm, I'm not opposed to any of that. But God uses the evil of men to bring about. Uh, the spread of his kingdom in the world. Yeah. Um, and to bring judgment. And to bring judgment upon people. So he, and you look at this, this goes back to Abraham, God's promise to Abraham. That he tell, God tells Abraham, your people will go into Egypt for like 400 years. Is that how long it was? 400 mm-hmm. years. Um, why? Because he's filling up wrath. He's patient, right? But he's filling up wrath toward the Canaanites. Yeah. Who are pagans? Right. 
who are doing all the pagany things, like the Native Americans and like the Vikings, but God's <coughs> patient with them. And I think God, in God's character and nature, not wanting them to do it. So he gives them 400 years to correct right. course, yeah. to change course. They don't. So he sends in, as judgment, the That's Israelites. Right. Mm-hmm. But what do you see happening when the Israelites become pagan? Yep. And we'll see this, we're getting ready to go to Habakkuk. You read the description of the Israelites, they've become pagan. They're doing the pagan things. And what does God do? He raises up another nation. Mm-hmm. They come in and they judge. And that's what Habakkuk is struggling with. How are you, God, who is good and holy and righteous and pure, going to raise up an evil empire right. to judge another nation? He's grappling with that. Yeah. And then you get into God, all of God's answers, and God's answers is they're going to be judged too. Yeah. Um, and so, but what, but still, what you see is the purposes of God stand. And there's that beautiful clause in the middle of Habakkuk. It's almost like comes out of nowhere. It's all doom and gloom. Mm. It's that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as He's covered this, you know, all of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're like, where did that come from? Well, it's a reminder that though man is evil and wicked, um, God's purposes. They, I don't know what the term is, they supersede all of that. Right. And no matter how evil and wicked men are, he uses people to judge other peoples. And from the midst of that, he does bring about a type of justice, right? So think about the colonial period. Um, the crime, there were crimes that were being done by Native Americans that all that stopped. Now it was replaced by you know other crimes as as historically it is it, it has been done, but then uh, God will judge those as well, right? Um, and that's kind of the pattern that goes through history. Yeah, it makes it a little scary for where we are now in America. I'll yeah. tell you that because <laughs> yeah, we're not immune because we're pagan. <clears throat> oh yeah, oh yeah, we're pagan now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, if if God has done this throughout human history, then. <laughs> We need to uh, we need to repent because it's not looking good. No, and God God doesn't He doesn't raise up like a righteous nation necessarily to to enact judgment. He raises up wicked nations, right? And so um, it's almost we, like God we see says, China and we see Russia, and and God could use either one of those to yeah. judge America. Yeah, it's like God's like, oh, you want to see you want to see what happens, right? When you just go your own way and you throw off like the fabric of society, which is, I think, God's law, his moral law is like the fabric of the universe, right? I read this paper a long time ago called The Universal Law of Everything, because I was really kind of obsessed at that time with um, like scientists, astrophysicists looking for this universal law that would like unite... um, the big like astronomy laws and, and then the quantum realm like they don't match so they're looking for this universal law and I was reading the Old Testament a lot and I was like man like God's moral law is like the fabric of culture right pagan nations may at times because they're made in God's image implement parts of that and the society will thrive but when cultures start to throw off God's law which I think is written on the human heart it's clear and fabric the the fabric of culture starts to unravel Mm. you eventually get to a point where the where god doesn't tolerate how wicked things are anymore think about nineveh yeah 
for a time they repented, God relented. Right. Then they didn't anymore. Yep. So he raised up another more powerful, the Babylonians, and destroyed them. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of at that point now. Yeah. Our, the fabric, the, it's all coming unraveled, right? It's all around us to see. The, 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 the murder, the violence, the sexual immorality, the killing, the killing of babies, the transgenderism. Um, we have everything here but human slavery. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Even that we've got. Hidden. It's hidden. It's hidden, right? Not legalized. That's about the, that's about the only thing we don't have <coughs> that's out in the open. Right. Do we really think God won't act? Mm. <laughs> Not looking good, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no prepping for that either. You got doomsday preppers. Yeah. There's no prepping. Yep. Only prepping is is Christ. That's it. The just will live by faith. Yeah. Mm. So this went a different way than uh, maybe I thought it was going to go. But I did. Yep. Hey, let's talk about JD Greer. Eh, okay, we're forty minutes in. This could end up taking another two hours, but <laughs> let's see if we can keep it keep okay. it keep it under maybe uh, thirty minutes. All right. So uh, JD Greer, <clears throat> I said it to you. I was like, dude, we got to talk about this. Yeah. So JD Greer pretty much called his critics or people who disagreed with him uh, the synagogue of Satan. Right. Okay. So he's he's preaching at a chapel service at uh, at Southeastern. Uh, what Wake Forest is that where they are? Outside of Wake Forest, Southeastern. Yeah, I think so. It's around there somewhere, right? Yeah, and that's where that's where his church is, mm-hmm. right? So he's preaching. I don't even know. He's preaching from Revelation. Um, what is two? it? Chapter two. Yeah, and uh, then he just kind of goes off the rails. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's had a. Uh, a lot of a lot of criticism, I think, but but and we've criticized him on here. Mm-hmm. But our criticism of him kind of focused in on um, his ridiculous sermon from the beginning of Romans. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's gone pretty woke. He's uh, he's put his support behind Ed Litton. Um, all all of that. I mean, he's just in the upper the upper levels of the SBC and all the, I don't know, all the baggage that comes with that. But let's, uh, you got a clip pulled up for us. Southeastern Seminary is, I can't find the town exactly, but the the closest big town that I can see is Raleigh. You got Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. Like it's a big, it's like a big metropolis area. Okay. So, but they all have southern accents, and that's a problem, right? Did you see that? <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> that means they're all that, that they need to. What learn. is that from? From Nam? Yeah. Was that from Nam? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the church planters that church plant in the north should get like voice coaches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, people with southern accents, the stereotype is they're unintelligent. Yeah. So no longer do you have to just di- divest yourself of your whiteness. You need to divest yourself of your southern accent. Yeah. What, <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Did that? Did they just put that out today, or was that yesterday? I'm not sure. I don't. <laughs> I mean, uh, this it's, is from it's, the North American Mission yeah. Board that 
You know what's funny is if they would just phrase it in a way like this, they say, non-believers think people with Southern accents are unintelligent. Yeah. Consider trying to lose your Southern accent so that you might reach them better. I can get down with that. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, that's like saying, Paul, you've got uh, <laughs> you've got a little bit of a, right. a Tarshish um you know that's part accent. of part you, of me. If you're going to go over to Rome and reach the Romans, you need to make sure that right. you're you're speaking with a Roman dialect. Like yeah. that's the exact opposite of what Paul says in First Corinthians chapter one. Right. Like he's he's not coming with eloquence. Right. He's not he's not trying to make himself sound smart. He believes in the power of the gospel. Yeah. So that's, he's, pre- he's preaching the cross. Nam needs to spend more time training the well, missionaries I, on how to preach. Yeah, that's <laughs> preach right. Jesus. That's what I was going to say. How to change their accent? I, I understand the intent behind it, yeah. but the problem is, is it's it gets back to what we always talk about on here, and that's the pragmatism that right. drives everything. Yeah. If we do things this way, we'll have a successful church plant. Uh-huh. This is what works. This, right. and if you if you do this, it'll help you reach people better, right. rather than just. Getting at it and and saying pragmatism is really a man made. These are man made things, yeah. And we just need to be faithful. So there's that great book. I, I, you need to. I need to get you a copy of it. It's um. It, it made me think of this the other day. I got an ad. I get these ads sent to me. You, you probably get them too. It's like for sermon co- uh, coaches oh, or yeah. for like. Uh, and this one was it was like five hundred bucks or something ridiculous, and it was. Uh, about the art of preaching, hmm. the art form of preaching. Preaching is an art form, and when you learn the art form, you'll be better able to minister to people hmm. and reach people and blah, blah, blah. Well, there's this book called uh, Paul's Theology of Preaching. Okay. It's amazing. Yeah. And it gets, you know, like I kind of geek out when I get into the backgrounds of stuff. Right. And it's all about the beginning of Corinthians hmm. and and what's behind his language like that. He doesn't come in eloquent speech. Right. Because there were people who people would go watch public speakers. Yeah, it was the rhetoric. Like, yeah, it was like going to watch a football game. Mm-hmm. They'd go by the thousands and they'd watch people give speeches. Yeah. And so there were apparently people who thought preachers should be that way. Right. And Paul comes in and he's like, nope. Yeah. And the super apostles of, of Second Corinthians, they, they use that against him. You don't need to listen to Paul because. So- um, he, he's he's he, dumb. He's, he's a dumb. dummy. He's dumb. He's got that he dumb gets, southern he, Tarsish <laughs> accent. <laughs> he gets beat up all the time and thrown in the prison. That's not what. Uh, that's not what it means to live in victory. And he's like that's half white, what... <laughs> right? He's got to divest himself of that. Play the JD Greer clip. <laughs> all right. Oh, there we go. Oh, oh. Switch back over, Larry. I gotta I gotta connect the sound. All right. <laughs> the Bluetooth is not connected. I gotcha. Um yeah, so he's uh he's preaching from Revelation chapter two. Let me let me read this real quick. Yeah, read it. This, I think I got it now. Okay. So this is uh verses eight through eleven. 
Uh, Jesus says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Hey, can you imagine like getting that letter? Hey, everybody, oh, we got a letter from John. Yeah, some of you are going to be dead in ten days. <laughs> yeah, but we've got so they're being slandered. Yeah, they're being slandered by those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Mm-hmm. Now, if we take that with the New Testament theology. These are actual Jews, right? but a true Jew is one who has been circumcised in the heart. Right. A true Jew is someone who's trusting in Jesus. Whereas the synagogue, the, these, these, these people, mm-hmm. the, if we look at what was going on, yeah. and Paul addresses it a lot, they've added to the gospel. Yeah. They're saying Gentiles must become Jews by fleshly circumcision mm-hmm. in order to become a true Jew yeah. And then then they may become a Christian. Yeah. Right? Uh that's not what's here. Okay. So right? you, got, you got it you got it pulled up? You got it ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe I do, maybe <laughs> I don't. Hang on. I think I got it. There we okay. go. All right, here we go. Christians turned it down and said we can't. I gotta go to thirty five mark, right? Out to be the biggest person. Some of you already know I celebrate our 20, my 20th year at the Summit Church this year. Here we year. go. It used to be that most of the criticism I got from the religious community came from so-called Christians on the left who criticized our naive commitment to inerrancy or our supposed clinging to outdated sexual ethics. But what has been more surprising and hurt even more has been the criticism that started to come from our friends. I got a comment here. I, I just can't resist. <laughs> okay. He phrases the whole thing to p- present himself as an inerrantist. Yes. Because he says, look, I used to get criticized from the left for being an inerrantist. Right. And I don't buy this, but what hurt even more? Uh-huh. He's Dude, setting, he set himself up as what hurt? He's, he's, the, he's the faithful one. How, right? how do you get hurt by, by people who are in darkness? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like he uses the terminology left. I'm not going to use the terminology left. I'm going to use the term- terminology that Paul uses. Yeah. Those in darkness, they don't hurt my feelings, George. Do they hurt your feelings? No. Like they say yeah. stuff, whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, what is this out? How, how does it hurt you? <clears throat> What's this outdated sexual ethic that he's talking about? Is that the uh, the Bible whispers about sexual sin, but it it shouts about uh, religious hypocrisy? Is that the outdated yeah, I guess. sexual? I just want to know how he's hurt by that stuff. Yeah. I guess he never was brought with the sticks and stones may break my bones. Is that right? <laughs> or sticks, yeah, but what words will never hurt me. That's in the Bible somewhere, right? Yeah. He didn't, He wasn't raised with that. All right. It just doesn't make sense to me. I, I, that just came across as... Okay. Well, I mean, he, he it's has, in gen, It's not genuine. He is setting himself up as I'm, I'm faithful. You know, we get, we get attacked from the left for our sexual ethic right so i'm i'm, faith, I'm faithful yeah i'm used to <laughs> that's what he said i doubt it? i doubt he I does anymore 
<laughs> I doubt he does anymore after the Roman yeah, one sermon. That's what he's doing. He's trying to set himself up as I I am I've been faithful, and you can tell I've been faithful because I'm being attacked from people on the left. That's right. But now it hurts even worse. Mm-hmm. Right. Attacked by the right. Those yeah. whose belief systems I share so much in common with, who could not bear to have their own political idols challenged. 2020 was a difficult year for, for many, many reasons. But maybe for me as pastor... 2020 was not a difficult year. I, I, don't, I don't understand this whole thing. Like There was argumentation about on both sides but like the world kept going yeah i i don't get i don't get i don't get the whole obsession with like with all this stuff and the way that it's phrased like political idolatry i think that applies to maybe like 0.5 percent of people yeah that are that would be on the so-called right Mm. you know what i mean the whole the whole the whole phrasing of it sbc president The most difficult was that 2020 revealed that for a lot of people in our churches, their primary identity was political. It wasn't that it wasn't also Christian. They were also Christian, but the primary identity was political. How? Well, I mean, there's my question. Well, he's going to go on. He's going to talk about George Floyd. Mm. He's going to talk about the, the mask mandates. Well, right now he's he's going to he's 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 going to get to it. Right. But what what? You know that that was the year where there were all the uh, the riots. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, you had George Floyd, you had Breonna Taylor. Um, that was the um, Aubrey. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of news stories about uh, black men and women. The election was being, going on, being yeah. killed. The, elect- the election, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. What's interesting to me about this stuff is the language that's always used, and it's thrown for those on the right. Again, you know, I I think a lot of these categories are imposed for, I guess, ease of description, but uh, they're not they're not biblical ways of talking about things. But what he what he's getting at is, and it's always the way it's attacked, like attack those who are on the so called right because they're for Trump. If they were for Trump, they might not even have been for Trump, but they kind of hold to these right wing ideas. They're attacked. Pastors who hold them are attacked continually. But somebody like J.D. Greer will never take the same energy and go at those on the left. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with Russell Moore that those on the right have political idolatry. And they don't like being challenged on it, right? But they never devote as much energy towards political idolatry. There can't be political idolatry on the left, right? Right. <laughs> they're free from political idolatry. It's the ones on the right who have political idolatry. So you're right. What what they do is that they say there's a lot of political idolatry, and they always aim it at the the people that the are, right. are on the right who are Republicans. They never say just all around. There's political idolatry. Right. Because there was no political idolatry that was revealed in 2020 on the left. Yeah. Yeah. That's my that's my big problem with the way he's setting the whole thing up. Yeah. Right. Be be consistent. Mm-hmm. Right. If you think there's political idolatry. Was there poli- is there political idolatry on the right? Sure. Is there political idolatry on the left? Yes. Yeah, big time. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go.
know that because a lot of church people left their churches, not just some at church, but a lot of them because of some disagreement over a relatively small political disagreement, at least small in light of the gospel and in light of eternity. Well, you didn't say enough about this particular cultural issue, so I'm leaving. You said too much, so I'm leaving. And I would say to these people, some of whom had been at our church for years, for a decade, and I would say, we agree on every point of gospel doctrine. We believe in the gospel. We believe in the authority and inerrancy of the Bible. We believe in the sanctity of life and marriage. I married your children. I walked with you through the tragedy of a death of a loved one. And now you are leaving because you disagreed because we said too much, one too many things about George Floyd. Or we said not enough. I'll say this. I feel for the guy. Um to have somebody like pastors can be hurt by people, especially if you've invested a lot of time. Like it sounds like he's invested a lot, a lot of time in some of these people, married their kids, walk with them through a dark time, maybe death and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if you as a pastor have given like your life to somebody to help them, and then they leave for whatever reason, it can that can hurt you. So I think he is he's he's speaking from a point of being hurt. And so I want to try to be at least, I guess, gracious in that regard. That when people speak from a place where they've been hurt by others, they don't say things as carefully maybe as they could. Like now you're off track, right? You're an expositor. <laughs> and some, it's a, something a pastor should be warned of. Yeah. Because people forget pastors are people too. Right. Stick to the text, exposit the text, explain it, illustrate mm-hmm. it, help people. But when things become personal and you speak from some place where you've been wounded, um, your flesh is taking over, mm-hmm. and you're probably not going to say things that are good. <laughs> yeah, he's. Um, I mean, now he has he has been spending time talking about himself for a couple of minutes. Yeah. And he's gonna he's gonna continue talking about himself for a few more minutes, right? And it, it becomes very self serving. Um, he's gone from the text, right? Right. <laughs> like, where's the text? Yeah. Um, but also we have to. I mean, yeah. Um. I understand where he's coming from. I mean, I've had plenty of people turn against me. You're right. Uh, you know, I, I've had plenty of people that I thought were on my side, and then all of a sudden they're trying to get me fired. Uh-huh. Like, I, I get it. Uh, you know, it takes some time to get over that. Um, But also trying to see from their point of view, like, he's <laughs> – how long did Summit Church shut down? Did they shut down a for a time. year? Or they shut down for a they long time. They shut down time. for a long time, yeah. I don't know how long they were shut down, but they were shut down for a long time. Yeah. Um, like, you need to be think. I mean, he's talking about people who are leaving the church over these minor differences. I would say shutting down your church for months and months and months maybe is not a minor issue, especially right. for some people. Some people are going to be like, we need to be here. Like, yeah. <laughs> we're we're we are convicted that we need to be meeting mm-hmm. um, the George Floyd stuff. I mean, the more the more came out about George, the George Floyd. It's like he is not a martyr. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, you know, he's not some kind of he's not some kind of hero for the the black community. Now, should he have <laughs> should he have you know been killed? Um, of course, <laughs> of course not. Like right. there's there's a lot of things that were wrong with the way that. Uh, um, Derek Chauvin 
dealt with that. I, I think. Right. Um, yeah. But um, well, he, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden George Floyd is like like Biden said as influential if not more than Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. A lot of these that's ridiculous. A lot of these pastors, I think like JD Greer, have become what's the term that the communists used for uh what is it? Useful idiots. Useful idiots. Mm -hmm. Without knowing it, they've been conscripted into advancing a political cause. Mm -hmm. That's framed in a way with half truths or sometimes truths that aren't even present. Now I think back to the Tibidi thing. This is this I told you this the other day. When I knew like something's gone wrong with Tibidi. This was about maybe seven years ago. This happened. Could have been six. When the hands up, don't shoot thing. Yeah, remember that mm-hmm. hands up, don't shoot. Um, what was his name? What was the young man's name? He lost his life. Well, that's not. That wasn't the truth. That wasn't what happened at all. Like the the story that was being pushed by those seeking to capitalize off the death of a young black man, which is what they do. They seize that opportunity to advance political cause. There was an entire lie that was being pushed by the by all of the media. Michael Brown. Yeah, Michael Brown was hands up, don't shoot. That he had his hands up, he was obeying commands, cop pulls out a gun and just cuts him down, which would have been absolutely horrific. And so Tabidi was pushing that narrative. Mm-hmm. And then when all the facts came out, and that is not at all what happened, uh, when it came out that he actually attacked the policeman in his in his vehicle, they struggled in the vehicle, he tried to take the policeman's gun away from him, struck the policeman, and he ended up getting shot. Um, that's something different entirely. But Tabidi pushed the false narrative. Yeah, even Politico.com, which is not not known for being right. super conservative. Hands up, don't shoot, ranked one of the biggest Pinocchios of 2015. Right. It's just a big lie that was... Well, Tabidi pushed the lie mm-hmm. hard. Yeah. In print and uh, in, you know, whatever, whatever mediums he had. He pushed it. And uh, it was all a lie. He never repented of that. And so each time something like that happens, it's seized upon, and it's almost like pastors, they can't resist, like J.D. Greer, um, I think, was used in 2020 to advance certain ideologies and causes that are framed in half-truths and lies. Um, Instead of saying, like, what happened was uh, immoral... That an image bearer had some dude was standing on the back of his neck for however long until he died. Mm-hmm. To instead of doing that and calling for justice to be done, because there were other people, there were people of color standing around watching, like uh, other policemen. Mm-hmm. Instead of addressing it, like, hey, we got an image, image of God problem here. Like we've dehumanized people so much that this is acceptable. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't get away with that as a soldier. I told you that before. Like if a soldier did that to some dude, he'd be court-martialed and like thrown in jail. But in America, somehow it's okay, and it's not because it's like a black and white problem. It's because you got it. Because there were there was another video came out at the time. It was suppressed by the media. Something very similar happening happening to a white guy. Mm. And I can't remember if he went he went on to die or he was like in ICU for a long time. But the problem is the image of God problem, right? Right. Um, but J.D. Greer was used, and many other pastors, to advance this other cause, which was literally tearing the nation apart. 
People were burning down cities um, over thing over a deal that was phrased in a way in order to give as much uh, political capital to one side in the election year as opposed to another. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I can understand why some people were did not like that their pastor was doing that. Like, I can get it. I get it. Yeah. So I can I can get how he's hurt by it, mm-hmm. but I also can get like you're saying that they would not be happy with that. Yeah. So should we keep going or? Oh yeah, I got to get to the got to get to what he calls them. Okay. Out him or because we asked you to wear a mask for a season. Or because we did not keep the mass mandate in place long enough. Now, I, we Christians I, say I agree with this stuff. What he's saying here, uh-huh. like people are mad because, like, hey, you made us wear masks. Then there are other people who are like mad, and they're like, you didn't make us wear masks long enough. Yeah. Thank God we didn't have to deal with that. <sighs> yeah. Again, shout out to our <clears throat> church people at Christ Fellowship <laughs> Church, the best church in Oklahoma. Yeah. No question. We grew through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. They never gave us heart. We could be like, you know what? We we should try to do this, and they'd have been like, okay. And even if some of them didn't like it, yeah. We, and then we stop, and you know what? They don't go. God, like we didn't experience that, right? But a lot of people did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pretty pretty ridiculous. Yeah, the COVID, the way the COVID thing has gone. Yeah, he, I don't know how he lumped this in with how he's going to attack the right. <laughs> but he does, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Culture, but it was amazing to me how so many of us canceled our church over a relatively small disagreement. He canceled his and church I for a while. And I say no wonder because we passed <laughs> oh, dang, George. people about one hour Wow, a week. that was a good one, Tucker buddy. Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Rachel Maddow. I got to rewind this. Three hours. All right. And I kind of look at that and I say, no wonder, because we pastors get to disciple our people about one hour a week. And Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Rachel Maddow get them for three hours a night. Okay. <laughs> so he throws out Rachel Maddow because he's got he's to look He's got to like try to balance he it. Gotta, he's got to look like he's being balanced. But his whole thing has been attacking the right. And so he's not attacking, and I'm just he's so, not attacking the left. He's attacking the right on the George, George. Floyd stuff, the mass mandates. Like I'm just over here wondering, like he's got a young church. Who in your church still watches TV? <laughs> like people still watch TV? Like everybody I know that watches TV is at least over 50 years old. Yeah. And it's not, you know, whose fault is it that they're being discipled more by the TV than by the church? Probably the pastor's Like fault. he's the pastor, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Disciple your people. I mean, if you're if you're so worried that your people are watching Sean Hannity and they're just, you know, parroting Fox News, right? Like, disciple your people so that they are trying to um, view things from a biblical perspective yeah. instead of just a political perspective, right? Like, that's, that's your job, right? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. But I just love that he threw out the you know. Two two conservatives and one liberal, but the entire who yeah who were the everything conservatives? He, everything he's been talking about has been who were the conservatives he put out Sean Hannity and uh, who was the other person that he I don't know I don't know they were both Fox News okay Tucker Carlson mm. uh yeah so that's a that's it one hour one hour a day 
Better. I don't even know. You gotta get, I, I have no hey, idea how long. That's how long are. your church service is. One hour. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get those numbers up, man. Those are rookie numbers. We're pushing one forty-five here, <laughs> and the P, and, and no complaints. Uh, they just love to be together. How long are the uh, Capitol the Capitol Hill Baptist services? They're pretty They're like long. Two hours, aren't yeah, they? Uh-huh. Two and a half. Yeah. All right. It it's not long if you love doing it. Yeah. That's why I go to baseball games. I could be there all day long. Just sit there, kick the feet up, get the umbrella out. I'll even take a nap. Wake up, watch it, keep watching some more. Do you do that at church services too, Jim? I don't take naps. I don't right. take naps at church, George. <laughs> okay. I almost did the other day though. I told you okay. about that. I confessed it to you. I was tired. All right, let's keep going. You know, when the church gets in bed with politics, the church gets pregnant. And the offspring does not look like our Heavenly Father. It looks like the synagogue of Satan. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews, and they are not. They're actually from the synagogue of Satan. They don't have satanic worship rituals. They don't put Satan on the roof. They don't sacrifice kittens. But they're from the synagogue of Satan. But I'll just tell you right now, and I realize I'm kind of cruising over this at about 30,000 feet, but when somebody tells you that just loving your neighbor, just being willing to listen, just taking a humble posture toward those who are hurting, just not being quick to speak, to try to listen twice as much as you're making declaration, when those things make you a liberal, you know you are listening to somebody out of step with the Spirit of Christ. Or when somebody tells you that your refusal to put biblical again, like we took, went to the right and left thing, how the uh, folks like him always like to attack the the right, mm-hmm. and they say we ought to listen. The listening only goes one way. Yeah, we need to listen to this other side, but never is it like, hey, let's listen to this other side. Let's let's sit down and not like th- maybe like call him synagogue of Satan. Maybe we sit down and listen. <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> it doesn't ever go that way. Yeah. So, just something. Authority. Behind a good but secondary political issue, when that makes you a liberal, they are speaking out of the synagogue of Satan. I'm going to just wait, stop. Wait, I'm wait, just wait, stop wait, just, just one, more, one, one more second. All right, all right. And they are necessarily from Satan or that they are not a Christian. Just that conflating allegiance to Jesus Christ with allegiance to secondary world powers is a tactic of our enemy. All right. <laughs> uh, let me tell you about tactics of the enemy. So, <laughs> All right, I got to I got to I got to interject here. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm up for debating like every single issue between the right and the left. Yeah. Like debate it, friendly ar- uh, argumentation, merits of what maybe what what would help the black community. Um, what has the right done that's not been helpful historically? Have there had there been things like, you know, one of the things I think honestly you can look at is how the VA uh, the VA home home guarantees were done after World War II. Yeah, they were denying black uh, black soldiers. I think that's wrong and moral, mm. and it probably did generationally harm people, right? Because mm-hmm. no home, no generational wealth. Like you got to be able to have those conversations without being called a liberal, if you want truth. So I'm down for debating any issue. You know, we can debate what have the policies done, like the laws Biden put in place. How did they harm the black community? Right, these drug laws, the like, let's talk. You could talk about all of these things. What do the Democrats have that maybe is actually more pro freedom than something that we would like? You can do all that. But abortion is not a secondary issue. Yeah. 
<coughs> yeah. And the tact that like that he's talking about tactics of Satan. Tactics of Satan is getting people to say things like abortion is a secondary issue that people uh, should be allowed to debate and should be able to vote for people who are pro-abortion. Yeah. It's not a secondary issue. We're talking about murder. We're talking about the one of the most clear things in the entirety of like God's revealed word. It's not a secondary issue. Mm-hmm. You're pro choice means what you, really what you're for is it means you are pro a woman determining if someone lives or dies. Right? Because the the second a pro choice person goes, I want to have a baby, everyone will celebrate with her. Yeah. And if the baby dies, like someone gets in a car wreck, the baby dies, they'll mourn, right? But if the woman, same age, says, I want to kill my baby, well, the liberals will rejoice in that woman being pro, like powerful woman. So pro-choice means you're pro for a woman literally playing God <coughs> and determining whether someone lives or dies, right? There's nothing... If the Bible's not clear on that, the Bible's not clear on anything, that that is immoral, that that is that's wicked. So... That bothers me a lot that he would that because that's when it comes between the two, right? Um, that's the thing, like that's the big thing. There are other debates that can be had. What's the best way to stimulate the economy? Uh, is central planning better than local? All that stuff. That's the one, George. Here's my problem with uh, so first the clip that we saw. These people are speaking out of the synagogue of Satan, and then he backs up and says, "I'm not saying that they aren't Christians. Right? They're just, you know, being used by the enemy." Like, if you read the passage, and again, he's he's gone, <laughs> like right. he's left the passage behind. He's doing something else. Um, these people who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, these are unbelievers. That's mm. <laughs> that's what's happening here. They are not. They're not actually Jews. Um, you, you piece this together with other, other passages in the new Testament. Who's the one who's really a Jew, right? He's not one who's one outwardly, but one who's inwardly. Mm-hmm. Um, Romans we chapter, are the true circumcision. You know, Rom- Philippians all right. Too. Romans chapter nine. Not all who are, are children of Abraham are of Abraham. Right. Like, so th- this is not, these are Christians and they're just, you know, they're, they're being used as tools of the devil. No, these are these are unbelievers. So he's right. he's like contradicting and yeah. and he's not he's not dealing with the text, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what's going on here in in Smyrna is not you know minor theological differences. Like these are people who are are opposed to Christians for mm-hmm. the sake of the gospel, not because of you know George Floyd, right, <laughs> or mask mandates. So he's not even in the he's not even in the text. Right. Um so he's he's violating the text there. And, pa- and part of what's behind this is all of the heat like political within the SBC he got mm-hmm. from we're back to the beginning. Right. Folks like um Tom Buck yeah. and Tom Askell which he part of this he already spoke once. He did it at the conference. I yeah. think he used that whole catchy line when the church gives birth you know it looks uh-huh. like right, satan right. whatever um the people seeking to hold him accountable right who would dare raise an issue with the romans one sermon that he did yeah um and so he's been feeling that political pressure within the sbc for a while before 2020 yeah 
Well, and, and to ignore the fact that, I mean, the George Floyd stuff was so political. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So that was in the clip that we saw, but watching a longer piece of the um of the chapel really reveals what's going on here because he would say when i was when i was the president of the spc when we were making decisions we would see who was opposing it Mm -hmm. if only one side was opposing it then maybe we're off but if you're getting heat from both sides like those that are more on the left and more the you know those are on the right then you know we're probably right like these are good decisions his his foundation for how to make decisions is completely devoid of the bible mm. like you can you can watch the you can watch the bigger a bigger chunk of the of the sermon and he says that like mm-hmm. if we're he's he's gauging things based on who's opposing him Mm-hmm. that's not a good that's right. that's you should be getting opposed from the left right right like those who are pro-choice those who are pro-lgbtq those who are pro-trans like you should be expecting to get that right right um but that's still not your standard your standard's the word of god mm-hmm. and as the um as if he's trying to be central like he's trying to be a centrist right yeah but the center can shift yeah. because even those that are conservative are more liberal. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't just gauge, am I doing things right? Because I'm, I'm trying to stay in the center. That's not, the center is always drifting, drifting left. Yeah. That's not, that's not a good standard. Your mm-hmm. standard has to be God's word. And, and whenever he's talking about this stuff, he's never talking about God's word. Right. And when he's talking about the George Floyd or the mass mandates, he's he's gauging everything based on personal opinion. What does God's word say? Mm-hmm. Um, even with the mask mandates, you have to ask, what does God's word allow and what does it not allow? Mm-hmm. Like, does it allow for um, church leaders to say, if you're not wearing a mask, you can't come and worship God? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like we got to see what God's word says. Right. Um, you know, we can't, you know, there's churches that are setting up like segregated services between the vaccinated and the, the non-vaccinated. Which makes total sense considering the vaccinated spread the vi- the viral <laughs> load, the, the amount of viral load they carry yeah. is like way higher than the unvaccinated. They spread it all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Again, not misinformation. Fact. Yeah. That's fact. Right. But what does the so segregate what your the, church? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Does the Bible say that we we segregate our worship services based upon some kind of non non biblical basis? Right. Yeah. But um, you're not you're not hearing JD Greer speak that way. Yeah. And. You're not. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to please everybody, mm-hmm. because there's going to be people that don't want to submit to what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're always going to want to try to bring in something else. Um, but 
that's our standard. Our yeah. standard has to be God's word. It can't just be where's the center. Yeah. The whole reason we brought the clip in, people might wonder why why you bring J.D. Greer into this and like even talk about this. Well, because this is uh, people in our church are exposed to this stuff, and um, maybe they disagree on him on a lot of things. Does that make them synagogue of Satan? <laughs> right. Like, there's the whole reason. Like, if you're feeling bad because we just diced up J.D. Greer, well, we didn't call his church a synagogue of Satan. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's just directly talking about our church, just that there could be people in our church that felt like, hey, he just threw a bomb at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, and there's, I mean, we didn't get to it, but Trevin Wax, he he posted a, a blog article on the, the Gospel Coalition website. Um, a few days ago and it's entitled gotcha sermon clips are bad for the church yeah and he he's saying things it's interesting that he does this after the the michael todd um clip spitting in the viral like is this helpful for the church is this edifying for the church and his his um final conclusion is i'm not going to be a part of stuff like that well i'll tell you why it is helpful for the church because we're raising up uh, a bunch of people in our church that will have discernment. So if the yeah. mil- if the military moves them somewhere, mm-hmm. guess what? They're not going to go to some joker's church who spits on people's faces. And we can't we can't just assume that our kids are going to grow up and stay in this church. Right. Like they could move all across the country, all across the world. They need to know what to look for and what you know. What are some What are some red flags? Yeah. Um. And and that Michael Todd clip was not a gotcha clip. Right. Like we played the whole thing, yeah. But that's not a gotcha clip. It came out that he's done the same thing two years ago. Yeah, he's he spit and rubbed spit on a guy's face two years ago. So that that kind of cast some doubt on his apology that he gave yeah. after it because he's already done it. And in the first clip two years ago, he said this is nasty. Yeah, that was his that was his apology. <laughs> was yeah, that was nasty. He already knew it. Like, mm-hmm. like it's disingenuous, right? Um, so, and this JD Greer thing—it's not a gotcha clip. Like, just listen to the whole thing and and see what he like, how he goes off the rail, and how it's really self-serving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to be aware of this stuff. We're we're trying to, uh, like you said, train our people in in discernment. So we're not just trying to do a gotcha clip. We're not mm-hmm. going after JD Greer just because we've got some personal beef with JD Greer. Um, so this Trevin Wax article, it, <laughs> it's not getting good. It's not getting good remarks on Twitter because people yeah. are seeing through this stuff. Yeah. Like this idea that if you're calling out people, then you're the bad guy. That's, that's the tactic, right? Right. Like that's, that's, that's where it's shifted that we shouldn't be calling out these guys who are solid on their theology just because they say something. Well, you remember, wrong. you remember how popular Jen Hatmaker used to be mm-hmm. among like all women, yeah, conservative evangelical. Uh huh. And like, as soon, like, guess who noticed first, George? Guess who it was? It was pastors. It was the men, right? Practicing discernment. They said, Something's wrong here. And then they would be attacked. You guys, this isn't sir. This isn't helpful to the church. Your criticism, same thing. Trevor Wax is doing. Yeah, where'd Jen Hatmaker end up? She's uh, LGBT, full blown, right? Full blown. Is her daughter? Isn't it? Isn't her daughter? I don't know. I don't know what her daughter. Homosexual. Daughter's. Yeah, I don't know. I think. I think so. I think. But, her, I think maybe her daughter's homosexual. Yeah. S- surprise. Right. Like, again, like they're letting their their kids inform their their 
positions, right? Yeah, I don't know if in this case that drove it or her mom's shift drove her uh, going no, going over know. to it. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Who knows? But yeah. Mm. All right, you want to do the honors? Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, um, we talked about quite a bit today. Hopefully, it's been um, beneficial and edifying for you. Um, go back and, and you know, if you're interested want to see if we're taking things out of context go back and watch these clips they're available on youtube uh, but we are trying to look at things from a biblical worldview we want you to have a biblical perspective on all things because we want you to become more and more conformed to christ so that's our goal if it's been helpful please uh, like share subscribe uh, get the word out and uh, we'll see you next time on conform to christ